the blast from our past network. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. With me is co-host, Dean. He's right over there. I'm right here, right across the table. There he is. That was him. He's back again. This guy yep, can't keep me, this guy you had away. had me back on. <laughs> had you back on. This must have been... It must have been my good performance in the last episode. You had me back for this one. Who who would I talk to, Dean? Who else would I talk to? It'd just be me blabbering away yeah. about, ranting away to myself about things. It would still be pretty good, Tim. Oh, thanks, thanks, Dean. We we both know it would still be pretty good. <laughs> I guess. I guess, man. I guess. That's really nice and all for you to say, yeah. but I don't know. One man podcasts. Tough. Not I know it's tough. That's a tough. No, that's a tough that's lane. A tough, one. tough lane to take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have that bantering. Yes, this great banter you're listening to right now. This could not happen if no. there weren't two of us. This here. would only be half as good as it is if it was just me. Oh, that 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 is true, Tim. Well, Dean, how are you doing? What's up? What's going on? How are you feeling? What's new? What's okay. up? Um, wow. Any news lot of questions, for the listeners? A lot of questions. I'll see if I can, uh, What's see if I can answer all What's been going on? Where are you at? Where am I at? I, uh, I have been reading a comic, Tim. I've been reading a comic that I'm very excited to talk about. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at right now. Okay. So you just segued right into the comic. That's fine. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what we're here to do, I guess. So let's just get into it then. Listen, Tim, I love reading comic books and the only time i read comic books these days uh, as i've said is for this podcast and so every time it's comic book time i'm pumped i'm excited because it just reminds me of the days that that's all i used to do so it's uh it's it's a good feeling right now i'm, I'm riding in high right now yeah i mean maybe you should just squeeze a few more comics in dean well i know i know that okay well here here's here's the thing is you're in charge of you man so i know if you want to know read more, you could read more. Here's what happens. I pull it out before bed, I read a page, and I fall asleep. <laughs> it doesn't work. What are these one-page comics that you're reading? What read You're not reading the right ones, asleep. man. Come on. you got to read yeah. ones that get you uh, engrossed in the content. The page turns. Yeah, I know. Like, like this one. That's my segue. It was a page turner. I turned the pages. Yes, well, Dean, uh, did you actually hold on, hold on. Did you or did you swipe no. <laughs> did you swipe right? I swiped. I swiped right. <laughs> yeah. I did not turn the pages. I swiped right because I don't have the physical copy. And Tim, once again, once again, it's so hard for me to find where to read this fucking thing. <laughs> it's so hard for me to find where I actually read. I mean, I know we rant all the time. After I buy it on Comicsology, how do I get to it to read it? Oh yeah. <laughs> I have to go back to the page where I bought it. And then click read instead of buy. But like, I don't know where to get there otherwise. Yeah, nobody tells nobody from Amazon tells you where it goes. <laughs> they just take your money no. and then they're like, it got downloaded to some device. Oh it's no, somewhere. This is, they, this is what they tell you. It got downloaded right. to your Kindle, and you're like, well, oh great, I don't own a Kindle. 
I'll go so get that. So am I SOL or what? They're like, dude, there's an easy solution to this. Buy a Kindle. Buy one of our Kindles. Buy a Kindle. Get a Kindle. Sorry, we don't display images, only text. Yeah. But you don't need images for Deadly Class Volume 10. What's there to see? That's what Amazon says. What's there really to see, guys? What would you What would you have to see in that? It, you don't need it. Yeah. Now, you know, big shout out to Rick Remender. His words are everything. Of but course. you need the art and the colors as well with this book. So, hey, I, I got have to back up for a second because um, this is bothering me. Like swiping left and right, does it mean where you're swiping? Like what side you're initially grabbing and swiping or what direction you're swiping in? Like if you put your finger on the right side and swipe to the left, is that called swiping right or swiping left? Tim, I have no idea. I'm trying to think back to the, uh, you know, I think this came from the Tinder days. I'm trying to think back to the Tinder days, and I can't remember which one was good and which one was bad, and I can't remember which one you send bad and which one you send good. So I don't really know. I think left might be the way the thing is going. Okay, so then so like I would have been wrong. you start at the right and you go left, I think. Yeah, okay, so, so you'd be wrong. I'm swiping left on these comics. Right, so if you were, if you were swiping right on Deadly Class... Right. then you would never get past the first page. You just keep like re- no. refreshing that page. But no, Tim, swiping, I'm, what, I'm, what am I talking about? Swiping right. Did I say that right? If I was swiping probably, right, then I would... We should probably eject ourselves from whatever we're talking about right now. Well, maybe metaphorically speaking, you I was swiping this comic right because I was like, yes, I would like to match with this comic. Swiping right. I'd like to swipe left whatever we're talking about right now. It's, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> Swiped left. Okay. Anyone out there matching with this right now? Anyone, anyone out there? Anyone out there matching with this content? Anyone out there still there? <laughs> Shit. Rough. Swipe right. Rough start. Rough start around the old studio. I think it's great. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I think it's fine. Just a <laughs> couple of dorks sitting here, getting ready to talk about a great comic book. Yep. Deadly Class Volume Ten. Save Your Generation, it's called. Cool. Collects issues 45 through 48. I can't believe we're on volume 10 already. This is awesome. It's awesome. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Like, this is obviously the furthest we've got in a comic book, and I I can't even believe it. When we were back doing volume two, and we're like, yeah, let's just keep doing these things. Going to be honest, didn't think we'd make it to 10. No, I don't even think there was a 10 (laughs) back when we were at two. (laughs) Maybe that's why. (laughs) I think there's only Maybe that's a... why I didn't think we'd make it because there was none. <laughs> didn't exist yet. Didn't exist. Well, there's 12 volumes and that yeah. is a cutoff. That's the end. So okay. we've got three more to go. I'm okay. super excited. The next two volumes after 10, 11 and 12, in case anybody can't count uh, after 10 comes 11 and 12. Those two volumes are part one and part two. Ooh. So not sure how we do that. Probably Double still. Feature. Well, I think we should, I feel like if we double feature it, uh, we might, unless the episode is twice as long, which is fine. But I right. feel like if we just yeah. do a regular episode on both, we're not going to be able to cover all the stuff we want to yeah. cover. So I feel like we just continue with what we've been doing. They, are, they right. are their own volumes. We've never doubled up on a volume. Let's just do 11, yeah. let's do 12. But we're getting close to the end. And that makes me equal parts sad and equal parts excited because after we're done this, we can move on to something else. Great, Tim. That's like kind of what this comic book is about. Spoilers. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody, but this was another incredible volume of Deadly Class. Dean, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Uh, no. Okay, thank you. No. Thank you. Just checking. You're right. I'm going to catch everybody up to what's been going on. And I'm just pulling this from the comic. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I can't possibly catch everybody up on 10 volumes of content. You have to go back and listen to the other episodes. That's how you can find out what the fuck is going on here. But the book itself gives you a catch up. So here's what it says. Disaster struck when the sophomore class of King's Dominion took a pleasure trip to a remote cabin in the woods. After Marcus Lopez found himself betrayed and alone, he bore witness to the violent deaths of friend and foe alike. But a lot has changed since then. Okay, that's where we're at. Yeah. Now, this book, written by Rick Remender, my fave, for 10 volumes, Dean, spanning seven years, this guy has not missed a beat. True. He always has something completely poetic and true to say about life, love, death, pain, happiness, suffering, etc. There is always something in these books that resonates with me. Yeah, man, I, I 100% agree. And it, it always seems like... I, for for me, they're kind of books that you can also read at different points in time and like take out different things because he's so good at like connecting with you as a reader. So you like you connect with whatever you're going through at that time. So like you can pull that out of the book. And I, I just I've read, you know, a couple of the volumes a couple of times now and realize that I take different things out of them. He's just incredible. Hasn't missed a beat. This one, super impressive again. Um, I don't know why. Like, I didn't think it wouldn't be, but like it just impresses me every time. I'm shocked at how good it is every time. Uh, he's so he's so great. Same. I just, I pick up each new volume and I'm like, well, sooner or later it's going to dip and it just yeah. never does. Yeah. Or at least stop surprising. And it never does that. <laughs> either. It never stops surprising. It's just like, wow, he's really just 10 volumes in here. He's still just like going for it. Like that, it's awesome. That's what I've realized is <laughs> like, you will be surprised every volume, whatever, yeah, for sure. whatever you think up in your puny little brain about what might go on is he, he just laughs at that. He's like, oh, you probably are thinking this. And I'm just going to level you by giving you this instead. Yep. It's, it's incredible. Yep. Arced by Wes Craig. And I think it's been fun watching this guy grow his art and refine it over these 10 volumes. Now, the art style in Deadly Class, fairly simple. Okay, fairly simplistic. I know Wes Craig is capable of doing way more detailed work because I've like purchased one of his sketchbooks. And I mean, the guy's like super, super talented. He can do like realistic yep. scenes and everything like that. But he chose a style that I think fits well with this book and, and with this story. But it's also very cool to see how he's grown with the style. And even though it's simplistic... He's been able to improve upon it and clean it up over time. And it's been really interesting to watch. Yeah, and experiment with it. I think if you go all the way back to 
uh, like the very first volume, he is trying some fun stuff. He is trying some cool stuff. And that just evolves over the volumes, like to the point where there's like in this volume, there's going to be stuff we haven't seen him do yet in the in the entire nine volumes before this. And it's just really fun to open up a page and just see what's, go- you know, just have it surprise you. Okay, that happened a couple times to me in this book, just like for sure. opening up the page and being like, wow, this is going to be this is great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Deadly Class is definitely one of those books where I just stare at pages. I just for sure. I study them in awe of their beauty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can zoom through this volume in less than an hour yep. easily. Mm-hmm. But, if, but but not if you want to look at those 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 pictures, those not if you want to look at those panels, those illustrations, uh, which I love to do as well. Yeah. For me, this was an interesting one because let's just touch on Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, which was the last comic that we read I really took the time to study every page and look at all the art and yes it was very beautiful art so is deadly class but for some reason remender drives a story in a different way and maybe it's because this volume was four issues so he's packing more in whereas supergirl was eight issues but I found my myself spending less time with the art because the words were speeding me through. I, I just had to keep going. I had to know what was going to come next. So yeah, that's that's the weird thing with Remender is I almost study his words as much as I study the art, which is a really yeah, unique cool. thing. It's, it's interesting. I'll go back and I'll read. What? I'll go back and read full pages. I'll go back and read sentences. I'll go back and read paragraphs because I'm just like, wow, man, this guy just gets it. It's really cool. Yeah, that's why he's your favorite writer because he it's like Correct. in in his comics the writing and the art are even, you know, yeah. in in usually art, you know, kind of trumps writing or one um, or the other, but, one or the other. Yeah. You can yeah, you can you can see like one takeover and that, you know, in, yes. in a comic book and we and we like to look at art a lot, so sometimes that wins over for us. But uh yeah, this is uh very even. I I, I agree. Uh colors by Lee Lowridge and I mean I'd have to say the same thing for Lee. I'm always excited to see the colors of the book and like what kind of trick this guy's going to use to elicit emotion out of the reader in this new volume. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, once again, the color choices in this volume were just top notch as usual. It's just yeah, killer. <laughs> doing some stuff where I'm just like, wow, man, that is so fucking cool. Like hats off, sir. Now, the last issue of the last volume was a cliffhanger. Dean, it ended with a page, and all it said was blam, blam. And we were left to speculate what that meant. Uh, We had a little bit of context, but we didn't really know. We talked about it possibly being Marcus probably shooting Stefano. Yeah. It, It also could have not been Marcus shooting. It could have been someone else. But it seemed like it was Marcus shooting Stefano. I personally wasn't going to be surprised if he had shot Maria or shot them both. Yeah. So I'm very excited to learn what went down. I'm like, cool, let's open up this volume. Give me some fucking answers. Same. And spoiler alert, (laughs) Rick Remender's like, nope, not sharing any of this info with you. We don't even know what you want. Yeah. He's like, I know what you want. You're not getting it. I'll give you something else, something better. But yeah, we don't even really learn what happened there. No, we learn a little bit, a little bit later in the volume. They show us that he did in fact shoot Stefano. 
but Maria's fate is left a mystery, and she's not even in this volume. That's that's the brilliant part. Not only, I mean, obviously this is the way you have to do it, but not only is he not going to tell us what happened, she's not in the volume. So, <laughs> so we don't, you we don't, don't know, know at all what happened. She could be dead. She could not be dead. We don't know at all. They don't even mention it. It's just another example of Remender surprising me with where he takes his stories. Because who leaves this gigantic cliffhanger where you are on the edge of your seat and then the next volume is just pretending it never happened? It's yeah. just, he's like, I'm, I've got other things I need to dig into before we go back and talk about that. You all need to know yeah. about this first. So here it is. It's so great. And you might think like, oh, that's that sucks. They don't tell you what you, you know, you've been waiting so long to learn about what happened and they don't even tell you. No, not even. It, this was just such a fun volume. Didn't yeah. even care. No, it's uh, it's one of those things where the deeper you get into the volume, the more you're like, okay, is the next volume going to tell me? But also it's okay if it doesn't. You know, the, yeah. the deeper you get, the more you're in the story that he's telling in this volume. So the more you don't need it anymore you know it's like we needed it when we started because we wanted to know what happened but the more you get into the new story that he's telling here you're like oh okay maybe i don't actually need that answer yet Uh, but i the next the next issue i keep reading and the next issue i'm like maybe this one will tell me maybe this one will tell me and then i'm at the end of the book yeah and you don't care you're like whatever and i don't uh, yeah i'm not like disappointed i don't know i'm just like oh okay interesting yeah i'm I'm sure they'll get into what happened to to find out yeah i'm sure they'll get into it next volume but if they didn't yeah. even ever talk about it again, I wouldn't even be surprised. And I'd just be like, okay, leave it up to us to think. Yeah, true. Leave it, leave yeah. it up to us to decide. But I, I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll tie it up. Yeah. So issue 45. What? Oh, go ahead. Tim, what's your take now that we didn't hear in this volume? Is it the same or has it changed? Well, that's a great question. It actually did change. I, I wouldn't okay. have been surprised if he killed her. That was my thought. Yeah. Now that they showed that Stefano got shot, and then that was it. Like, Maria was still standing there. Marcus still had, the like, the machine gun. Anything yeah. could have happened. But now I think since they didn't show us her getting shot, I think she still lives. Okay. Yeah. So Same with me. It did change. So issue 45, let's just talk about the cover really quickly. I thought it was a very nice cover i really loved the colors you have marcus just basically it's him sitting with his feet in a pool and he's having a beer and a smoke he's got a nirvana shirt on it's all greens and blues um only the pool and marcus is lit up and the background is like basically all black and what i really really like about this cover is the like the water because there's actually characters in the water which is very very difficult to see but you can see that there's characters like with you can see their arms and you can kind of see their heads a little bit can't really tell who they are but it looks really interesting it reminds me of return of the king with like the ghosts swimming in the water you can kind of see them because the water's green and they're also green under the water very, very cool cover. Uh, I liked it. What did you think? Yeah, I love it. Um, I it, For that part, for the, the part of the water and like the kind of people you can see in the water, um, just because it's like 
brings it back to a lot of the covers they've done so far where there's like people buried underground. They've done so many covers like that where the, the like crew is standing on top um, but then underneath the ground, there's a bunch of people trying to claw up or buried or skeletons or something. You know, it's all about them walking over the dead that are buried underground. I like that this is in the pool. You know, it's a callback to that, but it's in the pool. So it's like wherever Marcus is going, they're still with him. You know, those bodies are still with him. Those people are still with him. It doesn't even have to be under the ground. It's like in the water. He can like maybe even see it in the reflection. I thought it was really cool when I, I thought it was just kind of like a regular cool looking cover. But then when I really noticed those people in the water, that's where I was like, oh yes, this is awesome. Yeah. Now, one of the things I really liked about this volume is each issue time jumps, which is new. This was a lot of fun. Issue 45 starts in 1991. We start in Phoenix, Arizona. As we often do in Deadly Class, we're reading the narration of Marcus. He's talking about the generational gap between the old and the young and how they're like two slow-moving glaciers compacting in on each other. Then he talks about Mark Twain and how his peaceful walks in town with his family were destroyed by the invention of cars and how Twain was glad he lived before a time cars took over. To him, they were the ruin of everything he cherished. So insightful comments from Marcus that I feel foreshadow what comes later in this book. Yep, definitely. Um, I like the mention of Mark Twain. Uh, remember, remember did does this a lot in... Um, Fear Agent, uh, quotes Mark Twain. And uh, so I liked it here. I, I, I just felt like that was a nice, uh, a, a nice. I, I don't know if he's done it more in this book. He probably has, you know, in, in Deadly Class. But I, I thought it was a nice callback, you know, to Fear Agent where he quote, quoted a lot. So um, pumped about that. Very um, nihilistic view here at the beginning, which is, uh, you know, that's kind of how Marcus is, you know, with with that, you know. So it's like, a, it is a it's like a heavy thing to think about. And I like it. I like thinking about this type of types of things like, Oh, like the car is what, you know, destroyed everyone happy. I didn't live before the car. Cause that's going to be the snowballing effect. That's going to destroy, you know, humanity or society, whatever it is. I like these types of thoughts, but you don't want to go too, too, too deep in it. And sometimes Marcus does. So, uh, I, I, but I'm, but I'm pumped, you know, I'm pumped that the, that's the way this book starts. It already kind of gets me in the mindset that like, Oh, he's talking pretty nihilistic. Like this is pretty, he, he's getting a little bit, uh, you know, deep into it here. He's getting deep into what's wrong with everything and what's wrong with the system and bringing it all the way back to like the invention of cars. And I was like, okay, this is a, this is a cool buildup for this volume. I already know there's going to be some big payoff coming. Yeah. I looked at it. I looked at it more of not like, not to be taken that the car was the ruin of everything. I looked at it more as like a single event that the car was the yeah. ruin of Mark Twain's enjoyment of walking into town. So I, I feel like cool. yeah. I feel like that reflects possibly the ruin of one thing that happened to Marcus. He's he's reflecting that to just a single incident. And whatever that incident is, they don't really tell us. You know, that's maybe la- there could be a few different things that that's referring to, but yeah, I took it more as just like this was this single thing ruined this other single thing. Yeah. And I like that too. I like that idea that there's like this moment that completely changed something else, you know? And so, yeah, I, I liked it. I like that he's, uh, I like this reference here. It's good. Then we see Marcus and he's at a club and he's selling ecstasy. And he's not just selling it. He's also doing it. 
which is very interesting because last volume, Marcus decided to go straight edge. He wouldn't even drink a beer. Now, boom, right out of the gate, volume 10, he's taking ecstasy, another remender curveball. Yep, um, exactly. Big curveball. You're like, what's going on? What, what is, why is he doing this? Um, and then right after that, boom, you get big page 1991. You know, you get the big, the big reveal that we are uh, further along in time. Yeah, now that would be, um, I believe, a couple years in the future from last volume. I think two. Yeah. I think, yeah, two I think years. 89 was last volume. Yeah. Now we're at 91. So he's had a couple years to decide yeah. he's back on the, tr- the train of illegal substances. Yeah. Great panel work here as well. There's a panel of Maria's face in the corner of a page that's covered by a couple other panels and part of her face and text is being cut off by those panels. And it really felt like she didn't belong on this page because the page is really full of art and she's kind of like squished into the bottom left corner. She's all red while the rest of the page looks fairly muted. So she does stick out her one word bubble that can be read lands in a panel that Marcus is in. So it actually looks like she's speaking directly to him. So to me, this felt very mysterious. It was like a memory that Marcus was having. And I just loved the way that they laid it out to kind of convey that to you. So we said Maria's not in this issue. She's like, not really, but she is here. She does pop up a couple times sort of as like these memories for him, which made it really interesting and made you wonder like what happened to her? Where is she? Yeah. So cool. Um, it's like, it's just, it's hard to explain, but such, such a cool setup here with like how the panels are kind of in the foreground and she's kind of on the back page, you know, she's kind of on the white part that surrounds the panel and is sort of being hidden a bit by the panels. So it's like, it's yeah, it's like, she's not supposed to be there. Like that picture is not supposed to be there and it's just kind of secretly in there and you can't read half of what she's saying. And then the other bubble is kind of in, in our panel and we can read it. But the half that you can't read kind of drives you crazy. You can't even really piece it together. It's like I wanted to rip the page. Like I wanted <laughs> to like peel back the actual panels to, to look behind and see what was there. It's such a cool effect. I just, I'm already super pumped about how they're like experimenting with the page and the, and the panel layout. Yeah, yep. Great early panel work. Yeah. We see that Marcus is living at a house with some other people. They're going to be evicted, so they're throwing, as they put it, one last rager. Marcus's room is the bathroom. This was hilarious. Great. He's, his bed is the tub. <laughs> He's got books on in the windowsill. Yep. His room is the bathroom. Yeah. And it is still being used as a bathroom. <laughs> This is That's the, the best, best part. part. People are still coming in to use the toilet. Wes Craig plays with that a bit by giving us a panel with us looking past a stream of piss to Marcus and a girl he's talking to. It's just great. Like, yeah, you can only see a little bit of the toilet. You don't see anything really of the guy. You just see this arc of pee going into the yeah. toilet that you have to you have to focus past that into the background. On Marcus and his girl Dawn is so funny. 
And what I really like is the colors going on in this page because they're like yellow. Yeah. So like all the colors of the all the background colors are yellow. The P is actually white. You yeah. know, the P is just like the negative <laughs> space. But it's like I just love this. He lives in the bathroom and it's like all yellow in here. You know, it's just all like it just is bathroom colors. It's P. Oh man, only Marcus would live in a bathroom that's being used oh, as a bathroom. Yeah. It's so perfect. Yeah. That's so him. But Marcus and Don get into a pretty deep conversation about music. And I love how deeply Remender has woven music appreciation throughout this series. He's always dropping amazing, like, musical knowledge bombs. And we've talked about this before, Dean, where at the beginning of each issue, there's a reoccurring page that will appear before each issue. This issue, it was the cassette tape, which means Remender is going to dig into music in this issue. Awesome. It's cool. It's so cool. It's so cool when you pulled that out and put that together. Uh, every time now I see that cassette, I'm like, okay, what is it? What's it going to be? You know, what, what are we going to, what are we going to learn here? And I really like how he sort of balances like putting in this cool music stuff where I'm like reading it and I do think it is cool, but also it's coming from Marcus who's kind of being a dick about it. You know, he's kind of being like that, that he's guy very who pretentious knows about everything. It. Yeah. Yeah. Pretentious. That's the word. Exactly. He's very pretentious about it. Very protective about the groups that he thought that he, you know, uh, discovered. And if they get big, then he doesn't like them. So I just love this because I am interested in what he has to say. I think it is very interesting. He's just delivering it the wrong way because he's Marcus. So it, it's just perfect. Yeah, and, and also you can tell that Remender is using Marcus as an outlet for his yeah. own commentary. Like this, I really 100% believe this is the way that Remender felt about these bands at the time. And he's getting an I opportunity agree. to have this as an outlet for that. That's why it's so yeah. pure and so true. And it reads so well. Yeah. Marcus is getting deep about his love for music. And Don says, it's just music. Marcus says, what better defines a person's heart and mind? I thought that was a great line because there's so much truth oh, yeah. to that. Oh, for sure. Another great line, Don says, so you love a thing until other people do, then you abandon it. And he says, yeah. And like again, that's another thing that I personally can relate to, and especially when it comes to music. That's like a problem yeah. I have if... If I'm listening to a band and it gets too popular, I kind of lose interest because yeah. I like finding unique bands that people haven't really heard that I think are really great. And yeah, I want them to get big and be successful, but I, I don't want, I don't know, I want to share it with people, but I don't want it to get too big because I feel like if a band is small making music and it's great, if they get too big... It's going to change the way they make music. It's going to change the influences of who has control of their music. Everything that I like about the music is going to change in some way. And I don't want that to happen. So I want them to have success, but I want them to somehow just stay, you know, true to their roots, which I think is just very tough to do. Oh, for sure. Also, because it's like, you do have to make money. <laughs> so if you want to play music yeah. as a living... You need to make money. So you take those opportunities that allow you to make money and allow you to play music for your life, for your, for your living. So yeah, it's just this, yeah, it's this tough thing that this, uh, I really like, I really like that this, at least this opening chapter for sure is digging into. And I actually just like really love the Don Marcus stuff going on here. And it's because Marcus is like, 
he thinks she's cute right away and he's sort of playing disinterested but he's like he really is he says i really am disinterested and she loves that but then it's her that wins him over by sort of like confronting his ideas and like fighting back a bit and telling him like oh but you're just like you're kind of being sucky about it you know you're just you're just let let other people have music you know and her fighting back at him like this is actually interesting him and so he's like actually she wins him over when he thought he was going to be the one winning her over so i just really love this this opening part yeah same same man so the party ends marcus regrets it ever happened he regrets sleeping with Don because they just met. And then we see that Marcus is working as a pizza delivery boy. He delivers a pizza to the wrong address. The guy says he didn't order a pizza. Marcus says, whatever, just take it. He'll get in trouble if he brings it back. We see Marcus drive around for a bit. Then he heads back to the house and the guy's lying dead on the floor because the pizza was poisoned. Now, this was interesting because we don't know why Marcus did this, and they never go back to this in the book. This is just this little isolated incident where Marcus kills a guy and his dog, by the way. Yeah. I just I thought it was no interesting. Idea. I have no idea what was happening here. I thought it was also interesting. I was trying to piece it together later even, um, and I just couldn't. Yeah, I think... I, my what I think happens is what it, what it shows us happened here is that he just did this. He took this pizza to someone's house and killed this guy. I, yeah, I, I think what they're trying to show us is that he's still in that lifestyle. I, I think it's that he can't escape this lifestyle of killing people who deserve to be killed. And then as we see right away, people still coming after him to try to kill him. It's like, I think yeah, it's like so, a thing that he's never going to be able to like get over. It's just, this because of his history, because of his path at King's Dominion, this is always going to be a part of his life. Yeah. What I would, the only thing I was wondering is like, is the pizza place like a place that hired him to do the hit? Like this is how they like deliver pizzas and do hits. But I went back to sort of the page where we first see him and he comes out of the pizza place answers a payphone call and says, okay, got it, goes back into the pizza place. And then we see him take the pizza to the wrong place. Uh, and then it's, so I think it's actually, he's getting the, the hit from the payphone call. He's getting that, he's getting the call in on the hit. And then that's where he's bringing the pizza to, to poison the guy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now, a small problem for Marcus. He says he hasn't been able to take a shit in several days and resorts to buying an enema. Small problem, Tim. That's a big problem. <laughs> Not being able to shit for a couple days, that's a big problem. And of course, Dean, as only deadly class can do, no pun intended, but they dig deep into Marcus taking this enema. Deep. Okay. The yeah. book describes in great detail how to use an enema while yeah. showing Marcus preparing to take it. He's lying on the floor naked. He shoves the bottle in his butt and then pulls it out. And they've got the sound effects written there, like sp splish and plish and, you know, way too much information for you. Yeah. Pulls the bottle out. He shits all over himself right as Dawn walks into the bathroom. Great. The team <laughs> just laughing, just thinking about it, dude. 
the team <laughs> executed this part so well. I was in tears laughing when I read this the first time. I was so grateful that they had decided to dig into this and like, let's really yep. get into this. Let's have fun with it. And people are going to love it. And I, I did, man. I did. I absolutely love it. I was same with you, Tim. I was just laughing. It's if you didn't know how, what, what an enema was or how to take it, you do now just read this volume. You will know exactly <laughs> oh, yeah. how to do it and exactly what's going on. Um, I love that. Like he lives in the bathroom <laughs> And so, like, he doesn't lock the door because everybody comes and uses it still. We already saw it. It was, like, it was foreshadowed before. Someone walked in and peed. So, of course, he goes into the bathroom. He doesn't lock the door because why would he? Like, he hasn't thought about that before of locking the door to the bathroom. He's just in his room doing it right on the floor with his little towel he's lying on. Shit running down his legs as Don walks in. The best. It's so great. She is mortified. She doesn't know what's going on in there. She books it. I mean, she straight up runs away, like runs yeah. away. Oh, yeah. Then out of nowhere, a Scottish dude jumps out at Marcus, cuts his arm with a sword, tries to blow him up with a grenade. But Marcus gets the sword, fights him off and puts it through this guy's throat. As Dawn, who I guess is thinking she possibly overreacted, walks back into the room to see a naked Marcus Shadows covering his sensitive area. He's covered in blood. He's dripping with poop. And we see a dead body at his feet. That's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And he says, Tim, he says, he says this. Okay. Okay. Because she earlier told him to uh, be his real self, yeah. be himself. Right. And so he says, you want me to be myself? This is about as me as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> Which is which is perfect. Perfect. This is the perfect panel for this is about as me as it gets. Dead body, covered in blood, covered in shit. We love when he shits himself. It happens all the time in <laughs> it's these the in best. This, these volumes. It's the it's best. The best. This is for us, Tim. This it panel's is. for us. Is. This is as me as as I can be. This is as me as Marcus can be. I love it. I. This is what I want. Totally. I, I couldn't have dreamed up a Standing sequence ovation. like this, but just everything going on, like. Man, having Dawn walk in the first time is just genius. To bring yeah. her back like two minutes later is even better. I wasn't expecting that. So funny. Yeah. Great page. It's a full spread of Marcus, you know, standing there in blood. This guy dead at his feet. There's puddles of blood on the floor and a beautiful touch where it really goes along with his comment. This is about as me as it gets because in the puddles... You see him as a young boy. Then you see him maybe like five years earlier, kind of like standing over himself as a young boy. And then yeah. over top of both of them is just a skull. So I really liked, I think I got more out of those reflections in the blood than I did out of Marcus standing here with blood on himself. It's just a beautiful page. Yeah, for sure. It's it's awesome. The whole, the whole thing, every everything to do with it was just like, and that's it. You know, that's the last, that's the last page of the first volume. First and issue. I'm like, yes, let, or sorry, the first issue. I'm like, yes, let's go. We're back. Let's like, I love Deadly Class. This is, this is the perfect page. It's great. It was a really great uh, issue. So moving on to issue 46, the cover for that, man, I really, really liked this. 
Now, this is really interesting, Dean, because uh, maybe I'll have to uh, send it to you later, but I did a piece of art that is very similar to the way that this is laid out. Oh, cool. I, I had the water, I had the dock, I had stuff on the dock, and I kind of had a guy like jumping off into the water in the distance. It was an assignment in, in school. So neat. To, to, now I was coming from the other side. This one's kind of going from left to right. And I was going from right to left, but I'll show it to you, Dean. It's like, it's very, very similar yeah. to this. So I, I really, really took to this, this cover. I thought, I think this is probably my favorite of the four. I just nice. really like what's going on here. It's very, very simple. You see a boat off on the distance, kind of in the horizon. You can see people kind of partying on it. And in the foreground is this dock. And there's just stuff on it. There's a, a gas yeah. canister. There's a bra. There's a pair of swim trunks. There's matches. There's some empty bottles. A couple of CDs. You got the Far Side CD there. I love that CD. You got a shirt. Yeah. It's just like it looked like people were partying on the dock and then took the party to the boat. And now they're out partying yeah. in the boat. It's it's all orange. It's just orange and white and a little bit of black. Love the palette. It looks very, very simple. It doesn't look like a cover. It looks more like a page. But yeah. I love that this was a, a cover. I think it's great. Yeah, you're completely right. It's telling a story. It's uh, You see the dock first, you know, sort of because it's in in the foreground there with all the stuff on it. All the stuff's a lot bigger than the boat is off in the distance. And you kind of just see the story. They were having fun. There's empty bottles, you know, so they were partying on the dock. They were just having a good time. And now they've taken that out to the boat. They're having a good time on the boat. It's off in the distance. You know, you can't really make out who's who, but you know that they're, you can kind of see them jumping around. They're having fun. Uh, yeah, I love this one. And this does look like, like I can see how you would have made something like this. It looks kind of like your style. I, I love it. I can't wait to see that. Now, this issue, it's 1997, and Marcus is on that boat with Tasawi, Z, and Jayla, and he's talking about a band, Jawbreaker, that was supposed to be as big as Nirvana, but people weren't ready for them. So, Dean, I thought I'd check out Jawbreaker to see if they're even a real band, and cool. they are. Of course. And the first song on their album is called Save Your Generation. Oh, fuck yeah, man. So I thought that was really cool as that's the name of this yeah, volume. It's great. it's great. Remender just sharing a band that he loved and you yeah. know, incorporating it into the volume here. Really neat. Awesome. On the boat, we see Helmet come out in a white Speedo. And I'm thinking, uh, what? He got killed last okay. issue, right? Yes. He got killed. He got killed. When he comes out, we don't actually know the date yet. We don't know that's true. that it's that far. So he comes out and I'm like, it's in the past. Right. You know, we're, we're in the past right now. That must be what's going on here. Yeah. Well, Stefano shot him three times with a machine gun last yeah. volume. But Helmet recaps what happened that night. And it turns out Tasawi and Z found him near dead in the snow. They got him to a hospital and saved him. Now it's 1989, so this issue has jumped back a bunch of years. It's a flashback to the straight-edge Marcus at King's Dominion. Right. This is the timeline from last volume. Yeah. We knew he had big plans for you know going back to King's Dominion. There was a reason he was doing it. We didn't really know what his plans were. We didn't get to figure that out last volume. Because of all the chaos that happened at the end of the volume, they just couldn't finish that storyline. So they're finishing it now. And 
basically his big plan is to turn the end of the year, like bloodbath, which is basically kill the rats. So throughout the year at King's Dominion, if you do something wrong, you're, ra- you're labeled a rat. And then at the end of the year, everybody tries to kill you. Marcus mm-hmm. decides, let's turn that into we're all rats. So let's kill the snakes instead. And the snakes being Master Lin, the instructors, the faculty. That's his big plan. We see him punch Master Lin. And then Marcus wakes up in a car. And he's dream remembering this. We see Marcus, Z, Tasawi, Jayla, and Helmet at a temple of the Death Cult that was in the last volume. And they, yeah. they want revenge. They burn down the temple with the cult inside. And this cult had kidnapped Brandy last, last uh, volume. Uh, and we do see that she is the only one to escape. And that's, that's kind of it for that issue. Yeah. Um, I just loved, I, I'm loving this time jumping stuff. It's, I, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, I'm a huge fan of time travel stuff. And then I'm also a huge fan of just jumping to somewhere like way in the future and us trying to catch up with what happened, like them kind of us just seeing how they are now. So to jump to 1997, which is what, nine years, no, eight, uh, eight, years. eight years, eight years after the last volume and to see this group still be friends and just hanging out on a boat and just like having a good life. They're not like it. They're done. They're over it. They're just having a good time. They're still super tight. It just like made me feel really good just to see that they're still friends. You know, this is kind of the new crew. I mean, we've been with them for a while, but they weren't the crew that started off. No, you know, deadly class. They're the new crew. And to see them all together, um, I I just, it, it really showed me how much, I've grown to love them, you know, up to this point, because I was just very happy <laughs> to see them hang out, to see Marcus there. Also, you know, he's the one kind of still driving something is what we're picking up in this volume. He still wants to finish what he started, sort of, is what he's getting at. And uh, so he brings them out to this, uh, to burning down this cult. I loved it. I love this issue so much. It just really was the friendship to me. I felt the friendship in this in this issue. Yeah, he says he wants them all to have their happy endings. So yeah. it, it seems like he's trying to seal up any loose end so that people will stop coming after them and they can just live happy. Yeah. Now, issue 47, the cover, possibly the most interesting one. It's Saya in all black sitting in a tunnel or a cave, something that's just completely dark. But just outside of the tunnel is this beautiful forest with butterflies and sunbeams coming down and green trees. And you can just really tell, man, that she is in a dark place. And it looks like her hand is missing. And this was the ultimatum from last volume where Shabnam left her like handcuffed to something with a f- right. a blazing fire coming towards her, left her yeah. her sword, and basically gave her the ultimatum of like you can get burnt alive or you can cut your hand off to free yourself. So yeah, it looks like they're playing with that here. Yeah, it looks like we know what happened. Um, we know yeah. how she got out of that. I love this cover. Um, what I really love about it, obviously, just like the beautiful forest being right there. It's just like 
she's in the darkest place right now and she's sort of keeping herself there because the light is right there. You just got to walk out. Like just, she's looking the other way. You know, she's not looking at the forest. She's looking down the dark alley. And it's like, if you just turned your head and walked the other way, you could get out of this. And so I just really like that. I thought it was kind of just spoke a lot. Again, these covers, I think all of them are like speaking a lot so far. And uh, yeah, this one's telling the story that she's there and she just needs to, she's right there. She can get out. She just needs to turn her head. Yeah. Uh, she is looking in the other direction because there is one single like vibrant yellow butterfly yeah. just in the pure True. black, which is really interesting. Yeah. It's a really neat touch that, you know, it's just a small amount of that beauty is in her cave with her there. It's neat. Yeah. But now it's 2001. So the farthest we've yeah. been in the timeline, we see Saya and this entire issue is about her. We see that she did, in fact, cut her hand off to escape the fire in the last issue. Yeah. She's hooked on drugs. She's smoking heroin. We watch her trip out in a park and really great art and colors in this park as she's getting high. I mean, obviously, one thing about this art team is that they really know how to draw these sequences where people are on drugs. And there is just something really fascinating about the way they decided to do one of these uh, pages. I think it's a double page and it's her in the forest. It looks like, but everything's yellow and gold kind of like shades of gold and yellow. We're looking at like a waterfall and you can sort of see like mist coming up and, and mist around. And there's just very small panels of her hearing a bird singing and that really like capturing her imagination and I don't know what it is about this page, but it looks like so magical in a way. Yeah. Oddly creepy in a way as well. It's like, it's a little bit unsettling the way that it looks, but there's something about it that just looks different. It looks a little bit off. It's very beautiful, but it also sort of feels a little bit uncomfortable. Like, I don't know if I'd really want to be there. It seems a yeah. bit weird, but man, just a great job of, again, this is like what I had mentioned before about um, the colorist Lee, like, what's he going to do to elicit emotion out of you in this book? Yeah. And this is one of the, this is one of the big ones for me, this page, just he's, he's getting emotion out of me just by the way he colored it. Yeah, for sure. It's um, this team obviously has got a lot of practice on the drug trips and they always bring something new to the table. This is new. We haven't seen this type of thing before and it is exactly like you explained it's just it's i get a feeling just by turning the page just by getting to this page sorry swiping right uh or swiping left yeah Uh, just getting just swiping to this page i just feel it you know i it it is magical it does it it is wondrous like you said it's it's just but also i don't want to be here you know i i don't want to be in this place this place looks a little scary um and she's like kind of trying to escape from, you know, like a police officer. So it's like she got to this place where she's safe, but also it's like this scary type of place. It's just, yeah, it, it, it was quite a, it was quite a page in here. We, we, we knew the drug trip was kind of happening because we kind of had some other things that led us to that. So as soon as you flip the page and you see this, this is what it is. It's just all yellow. And, you know, there's like butterflies, but there again, it's just the negative space. It's just the white that's that's there. It, it's just... It's great. It it definitely made me feel a certain way. Yep. 
Now, Saya is having some deep reflection of her own about not being mad at her enemies and instead wanting to forgive them and help them learn and grow. We see her walking the street now. She falls hard on the ground and knocks herself out. Everything goes black except for the text, children are time machines that we send to a future we'll never see. Which I just thought was a really neat line. It's just a, yeah. a really interesting thing to think about. And yeah, I just wanted to call it out just for that reason. I thought it was cool. But Yeah, for sure. I liked it too. I, I definitely thought it was uh, pretty cool. We see Saya riding a half horse, half Japanese dragon. Hell yeah. Very, very cool art. Looks great, but it's all blurry. Yeah. They've just drawn the picture and blurred it out which I think is a great reflection of the state that she's in at that moment. Like, I, yep. I feel like even her dreams are like blurry and faded. Yeah. This is the, for me, this is the page. This is the page in the whole volume that I stayed on the longest. I looked at the longest. It, it took me by surprise the most, you know, while that yellow page like gave me a big emotional reaction. This is the one where I turned and I was like, wow, you know, they're just, they just did this right now. She's just riding on a horse in half the page, but also it's cut right down the middle where the page would be. And one side is blue. The other side is pink. And the pink side is the dragon. The blue side's the horse. It's just, uh, it, I loved it. You know, I just like, I stared at it. I tried to figure out every little detail in it, even though it's blurry. Um, wonderful. It's something that, you know, I don't think, again, I don't think the book is done yet. And it just, you know, took me by surprise. Yeah. I thought this was an interesting choice because this page would have looked so much better if they didn't blur this art out. You can For tell sure, yeah. this is incredible artwork. And then they just blur it out so you can't really see the detail. So they're choosing to have the blurriness mean something that's so much more important than the art being crisp. And I, I mean, hats off. If you're willing to like sacrifice your art to tell the story, because that's what they're doing here, because it would look better if they didn't do this. They're sacrificing the look of their art to tell the story. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure why, though. I'm not sure, like... Other than my take on just maybe I think that's like, I think she's blurry and foggy in her head right now. I don't know if it goes beyond that, but maybe, maybe there's it's even deeper than that. There's definitely something going on here with her just riding on a horse and it transitioning into a dragon. And you can see her face in the pink side, which is the dragon side. And it's very angry and she's like screaming. And in the panel before she was having a talk with like maybe her dad, you know, something there, there was there was something in the panel before where she was having this sort of hallucination and having a talk where it transitioned to this. I, I haven't put it together yet either. I would probably have to read it over a couple times. But, you know, it's something about the way that her life is going and it's. You know, it, it has transitioned into the angry dragon and the rage. Yeah. I feel like that's more her, right? She's got dragon yeah. tattoos on her body. I feel like the horse is, is weird and new, right? The, the dragon seems more her style, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting, you know? I think so in the flashback, I think she's a little girl. So I think this is, mm. we know the dragon. We know the dragon, Saya. Like, so I think this is how the point where she turned, you know, from little girl to I am now like this dragon that needs to be the leader of this group. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. 
so this was a very interesting issue for me because this is content we don't normally get from Saya. This is Marcus. This is Marcus's style. So yeah. it was interesting to see her in this situation. Likely, you know, in, in this drug addicted state from the loss of her hand, right? Yeah. Like Saya's issues are usually not normal. She deals with a brother who killed their parents. He's trying to kill her. She's trying to get valedictorian at a school for assassins so she can take over the Yakuza one day. These are not your everyday issues. But her getting hooked on painkillers because her hand got cut off, like, I feel like that's a very normal problem that people might face. Maybe not the like getting your hand cut off, but like definitely being addicted to painkillers because you have, have something wrong that you need painkillers for. And then you get stuck on them. You can't get off them. That's a real life moment that people suffer from. And I feel like it softened her, uh, it softened her character. And it was a, just a very interesting look deeper into, you know, Saya. So I, I like, sure. I like this, is, this issue for that. For sure. Sai has always been sort of the rock. And in this one, she's kind of the Marcus. She's going in this entire issue. She's just going task to task to try to steal something that's worth $40 so she can buy her drugs. Um, it's it's rough to watch her in this state because she's always the one that had it together. Um, yeah. So it's uh, it, it's it's a different, you know, it's just another curveball they're throwing us, you know, just another look that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Now in volume one, I mean, I think it's even issue one we see Saya stop Marcus from committing suicide. She basically saves his yep. life. Now she's in the trenches here herself and Marcus shows up and this issue kind of ends with us not really knowing if he's there to help out or not, but he shows up. He's in her apartment. He's got a gun. We don't know what happens, but I just thought it was really interesting that this juxtaposition of when he was in a lot of trouble and in need, she showed up to help him. Now she's in a lot of trouble and in need and he has shown up and he's looking better than ever. He looks like James Bond. He does. He looks like James he looks Bond. Great. He looks like a detective. He's all clean. Yeah. cut. He looks great. He looks the best yeah. he's looked in 10 volumes ever. Yeah. And this is the most in the future we've ever been in this timeline. Yeah. So just really interesting really that's really great storytelling just kind of bringing full circle what you know initially happened and now where we're at for sure awesome so issue 48 the cover very minimalistic uh it's all black background marcus has a gun and he's fighting saya who has a sword and they're falling through the air. They're in shades of pink and white. There's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of art. It's mostly black. But I, I do like it. I think it looks good. There's just not a lot going on. But what's interesting is that they're fighting. Yeah, exactly. Especially where we left off in the last issue. Um, this is the type of cover that just would have been my favorite in another volume just because like it's this type of thing that stands out to me uh, on the comic stand even though it's so simple it's just like 
the pink pops and like this little fight in the corner. You know, why is it all black and, and just having a little fight in the corner? It's it's the type of thing that does catch my attention. Um, in this volume, it's probably my least favorite just because I think the covers are so strong in the entire volume. But this is usually something that really grabs my attention. So I do also like it. It's just probably my least favorite in the volume. So what was your favorite? I think my favorite is that first one. And just yeah. because... We're just just noticing that there are people in the water and seeing like, oh, okay, these people are still just always under the surface for Marcus. They're always right there haunting him. Uh, I think that kind of got me. So that was that was my favorite. Yeah, that cover said a lot. That was yeah, that was, that was a close second. Yeah, I, I already said that the uh, the one in the dock was my favorite. Yeah, um, but very close second for for number one. Now this issue, it's 1989, so we're back at the timeline of last volume. And we've, we've actually been at 1989 in this volume for a very brief moment of Marcus dream, yeah. dream remembering what happened. But this issue starts off with the text. The following is a true account of my last day at King's dominion, a day I spent the entire previous year planning, but of course, none of it followed my blueprint. Like dad used to say, man plans, God laughs. But somehow it all ended the way I'd expected. I'd go so far as to say it ended the way I hoped. It ended same as it began, in betrayal. So I'm excited because this is kind of like, I almost don't believe it. Because we've gone 10 volumes and King's Dominion has been such a big part of this book. But it sounds like we're getting to the end of that. And... I don't buy it. So I'm like, I'm yeah. like <laughs> maybe nervously excited. Like I, I feel like I, I want to let my excitement out that something big could go down here, but I also don't want to get burned, <laughs> you know, and just have another, yeah. another like, you know, cliffhanger happen. But we like see Marcus at King's Dominion going around killing all the snakes. Like he said, like yeah. people bought into it. It's, like pure chaos instructors are killing students students are killing instructors like there's instructors that we know back from like volume two and three that we really liked that are getting killed here yeah it's it's really interesting master lin is getting in on the fun but marcus along with a few students have cornered master lin and they're about to kill him the students have the upper hand marcus is about to land the killing blow when Saya shows up behind him, cuts him across the back with her sword, she grabs Master Lin and helps him off. But Marcus is okay because he's wearing body armor. So maybe to back up just a bit, like, what did you think? Did you think we were going to actually get this far? Because I didn't think we'd just immediately get into like the students killing instructors and Marcus cornering Master Lin and this actually going down, like us actually getting this far. I definitely did not think we were going to get here, um, especially because there's two more volumes. I thought this would be the kind of thing that ends the whole thing, you know, the, the, that ends it all. I, I, I like that, you know, we have seen some stuff already past this in this volume. We've seen where people, characters have gotten to, and now we see sort of the event. So it is cool to jump back in this volume to the event. Uh, yeah, I didn't think that there would, there wasn't a lot. We didn't, like, we didn't even know Marcus's plan, right? So there wasn't right. a lot of buildup for us into... This is what's going to go down. This is how it could go right. This is how it could go wrong. 
So we were just kind of in it and it was just happening and, and we didn't really know if it was going to work or not. And so, yeah, I was totally shocked. And you cut back here and there's just a bunch of dead bodies everywhere. Like it is happening. The students have risen up and they have agreed that they can kill all of the snakes. They can kill all of the, <laughs> the teachers and the, uh, the professors here and the monks or whatever. Like they're yeah. just going to go and kill everybody that, that made this thing, that made this school, that made this system. Um, I, yeah, completely shocked and so pumped that it's going down when they corner master Lynn, you know, I'm like, what, like, how are we here already? Like yeah. he's, he was supposed to do something, right? He was going to get the upper hand somehow. He knew it was going to happen somehow. And this was going to fail. No, we are here. Like they've, they got him cornered. Um, you know, I'm just like, okay, I guess now he dies here because we're here. We're, we're right at the spot and he's cornered. And then, you know, Saya comes in and, and stops it. So again, just like throwing me for twists and turns this entire time. It's just action packed. And I did not see it coming. Yeah. Same. Now, Stefan or Steven, I don't know what we call him. Do you remember what we call this guy? Stefan? Stefan, maybe? I think Stefan. He goes after Shabnam. S- <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? I was going to say, I think Steven. Steven? <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe it was Steven. I don't remember. Okay, so Stefan go- goes after Shabnam with a pair of nunchucks, which is awesome. Hell yeah. I haven't seen that before. He's a party dude. He is. Michelangelo's his ass. He destroys Shabnam. This is Hell great. yeah. What I really like about Shabnam is he's he's kind of supposed to be the brains, but he's not. He's kind no, of stupid. He's and then yeah, physically he's not anything either. So No. I like what they did with him these 10 volumes. Like yeah. He got into power, kind of like eked his way into power, felt like he was strong, wasn't really strong. He's never he's not all that capable. No. His biggest move, which, you know, hats off, it was hilarious when he kills Grogda and then he's roasting marshmallows on her body as she he's got her in the fire. Last volume. Pretty great. Great moment. That's like the biggest thing he did. I thought he would be such a bigger character in this series and there's still two volumes to come. Maybe he does come back and do more, but man, do I ever love watching this guy just get beat down? Cause he, he, he's such a shit. I love it. I love seeing him get beat down. It's so great. Um, and it's also great when Marcus comes in and, you know, talks down Steven Stefan. Stefan. Stephen. Stephen. When he talks Steph, down Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> his name is Stephen. Stephen. When Steph-ven. he talks down Stephen from killing Shabnam, because like I just love this. I, I love yeah. this whole thing. I love this whole section because totally. because I'm loving get him getting beat down, and I'm lo- I'm like yeah, kill him. Shabnam should die right now. And then Marcus talks me out of it. You know, yeah. he talks me out of wanting that, which is perfect because that's what he's trying to do to Stephen. Yeah, Marcus says they agreed not to kill any students. And Marcus says it's their generation that will break the cycle. They have to stop killing each other and tear down the old system. So he yeah. he really does have a big plan here. This is really cool to see. His plan is let's end this all. Like this whole yeah. idea of King's Dominion is brutal. 
It's killing people. It's killing innocent people. It's killing people who don't deserve to be killed. It's killing students who don't deserve to be killed. It's it killed so many of his friends. It's just a brutal system. And this is the problem. This school is the problem. So let's just end this school and put an end to all these problems. So Yeah, because it just keeps happening. It keeps going and going and going because it's like, oh, we did this. We went through this. So then the next generation has to go through it. And the next generation. So he says, let's break it. It's got to end here. It's got to end by killing all the instructors, killing Master Lin. We can't kill other students. Killing other students is the opposite. It's doing what they want us to do. So we can't kill Shabnam here because it's what they would want. So we need to let him live. And I like that he's sort of like, Shabnam is in it too. Like he's just like we were. He's been taught that he needs to do this like the only reason that he was he's been an asshole the only reason he's the cause of other people's death is from master lane is from this school if this school didn't exist you wouldn't hate him so much so like let's take out the top let's take off you know the head of the snake and not worry about shabnam that'll work itself out don't kill him it kill like we need to kill just the instructors yeah yeah but uh steph van he did say like you can't let this guy go like, if you let this guy yeah. go, he is going to come back. He's going to haunt you. He's going to cause problems. So I am curious. He is. To see yeah, where he that is going goes. to. Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to hate it. But I know. I feel uh, like it's going to happen. They'll kill him at the right time. This is the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, they're making a statement. <laughs> hopefully. We see Master Lin is playing his piano for Saya as the school is burning down. I just thought this was just very cinematic. Oh, yeah. I actually sat back for a second and thought this might be a scene where comics don't do this justice. This scene might actually look better on like on screen, on TV or in a yeah. movie because of how impactful it would be like like really how how long it's taken us to get to this moment and how big of a moment this is. The comic actually couldn't do it justice for me. Yeah. I think, I think they tried their hardest. And and so what I like, they used what they could and what I like that they did use to kind of get this, this moment across is like the whole hallways burning down, everything's burning down. And you just see this little box off in the distance. That is the opening to where master Lin is the room he's playing the piano in yeah. and it's gray in there. And then they get closer to that panel and closer to that panel with like the hallways burning down and the gray just getting bigger and bigger until we are just in the gray. And then the next three pages are just black and white and gray. And so it's trying to, you know, show that there's like chaos going on all around in the school. But then when we get into that room, that room is calm for some reason. For some reason, he's just totally you know, playing the piano and singing, maybe. I don't know, <laughs> singing or talking. But he's just like, he's just a total... Totally not panicking at all. He's just this this room is black and white and gray. There's no colors at all. So I, I liked their attempt, but I agree with you. This kills in like a movie. This 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 absolutely could crush in a movie. I need to hear the piano. Yeah, the exactly. Hearing the piano is kind of the the, the thing they can't quite do. Yeah. Yeah. I always had an idea for um like a comic book that would play music as you walked your way through it. Oh yeah. Like each page yeah. would like have, if there was music needed, it would play music for you. Uh, that's something that somebody should make. Yeah. I think there used to be a, uh, there was a comic that you could like, they'd have scan where you could scan something and it would play a song that was supposed to happen in the comic. Oh yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it, I think it was might have been Young Avengers. I might be wrong about that, but uh, in like maybe 2012 or something like that. Uh, but yeah, that that was that was a cool idea. But it's still you still needed something else to be able yeah, to do it, you yeah. know. So I I kind of fell off doing it. I, totally. I did it for the first couple of pages or first couple of issues, and then I stopped. Um, but yeah, it's th- that music is could be crucial. Yeah. Hey, Amazon, get on that. Oh Ugh. yeah, jerks. You're never gonna do that. <laughs> can't even can't even get a comic downloaded from your stupid site. No. They won't, I mean, they, they should be, be able to do that. Should be able to just play music, especially oh, since it's digital. Sure, they could if Come they on. cared. They don't care about comic Come book on. readers. They're selling too many spoons and yeah. party cups. A lot of spoons. Yeah. <laughs> too many bird feeders. Too many <laughs> right. removing too many bird feeders to care about us comic book readers. It's a big industry. Yeah, totally. Well, Marcus walks into that room. He does walk through the smoke, which is very cool. Marcus tries to convince Saya to help him kill Lynn and leave Kings. She won't. She says she sacrificed everything for him once, but never again. And they start fighting. And as you mentioned, Dean, this room is just all red, black, gray, and white. And it looks great. Yeah. Master Lynn tries to slip out a hidden door, but Marcus stops him. Then the ceiling falls down on top of them. And Marcus narrates, On October 17th, 1989, at 5.04 p.m., the Loma Prada earthquake saved my life. It caused 3,757 injuries and 63 reported deaths. As he looks out on Master Lin and Saya under the rubble, he says, I know of a few hundred that weren't reported. Now, I looked this up, and this earthquake in 1989 is a historically accurate reference, including the count of injured and the count of hmm. dead. Okay. There you go. So Marcus walks over to Master Lin, who tells him there's still time to do what's best. Saya screams, if Marcus kills Lin then her future will be erased because she needs to get valedictorian. Master Lin says, I always knew you'd be my best student to Marcus, and I am so proud of you, son. Proud to die by your hand. Marcus says he won't kill him and leaves Lin under the rubble and goes over to help Saya. He picks her up and carries her out. He says, as I ran through the crumbling halls of King's Dominion, I heard screams and pleas for help. Many voices I recognized. Saya's weight was all I could carry. Jeez, dude, that one, that line got me, man. It's heavy. Like, yeah, she's heavy. She's too heavy. She she looks really heavy. Anybody else? Yeah. What better time for a sled, hey? To start piling people up on a sled and drag it out? For sure. Drag that thing. Marcus gets out with Saya. The ground is rumbling and moving. He trips, knocks himself out on the ground. He wakes up and she's gone. And Marcus explains that the ending to anything is terrifying. Any chapter that's closing reminds us that eventually they all will. Everything causes cancer and you're going to die. There it is. Now can we just get on with it? 
and the end. So, very bleak. Very bleak It's very bleak, but while he's saying that, um, we have Master Lin under the rubble, and the rubble is falling. It's still falling around him. His eyes are closed, and we're far away, and we keep getting closer and closer, and his eyes are closed and closed and closed until the final panel when we're all the way up on his face, and his eye opens slightly. Oh, so you think he's alive? I think he's alive just because they were closed before that, and then they were open slightly in the last one. So I think it's just like that, okay, he's still alive, that flutter. And it's like, oh boy, Lynn's still out there. Okay, cool. I thought he's dead. I uh, didn't notice that eyeball though. So uh, I was too busy crying because of how oh, briefly right. yes. this issue ended. <laughs> yes, now, of course. This is probably the darkest um, ending to a volume yet. Yeah. But uh, I thought it was very interesting, very interesting way to end considering that this issue takes place in 1989 and is the earliest of the four timelines in this book. And we sort of like progressively saw the futures get better and better for most of the characters, not Saya. Yeah. But I just thought it was really interesting to end on that. Yeah, I think you can do that. I think you exactly. You can end that bleak because we've seen already where people are future. So and I yeah, and in my opinion, uh, I mean, this was before I read that last issue. In my opinion, Marcus was there to help out Saya. So, like, in, in my opinion, it was going to look up for her after this. But, you know, mm-hmm. you never know after that last issue because they fought during it, you know. So you, you don't really know why he's there. Um, I mean, but, I'll just yeah, sorry to interrupt uh, you for a second. I also yeah. think he's there to help. I, okay, I, did, yeah. I didn't think that he went to her apartment when she was, like, high on drugs here to kill her. Yeah. I think he's there yeah. to help. But cool. you never know. So it looks, it's, never know get remembered it's it's looking up for everyone uh so that's it's like it's nice to play with the time in this one you know they haven't really this team hasn't really done that really you know at least to this extent where they've jumped around in the volume so i did like that i did like seeing where we'll end up so that this bleakness could happen and you could leave this off just sort of as dark as you wanted to um so yeah great great volume i loved the trick of jumping around time um excellent it was great Loved it. Uh, awesome volume, man. Like, Awesome volume. Just read it, so it's like fresh in my mind, but uh, I think it's near the top of volumes for me. It was one of my favorites. Here's the thing. There's 10 volumes. They're all top three. Well, I mean, okay, but <laughs> really, I think this was near the, near the top for me out of, I know. out of volumes. I know. Me too, uh, but I have said that probably for every volume. I picked up my iPad, Dean, and I, I said, I need to know more. I need oh. to know what happened. Did you read it? I can't stop. I have to read the last two volumes right now. Okay. Opened it up. I flipped through a couple pages, like a couple of the, like the cover and then the, the credits and all that. And just yeah. as I was about to get into it, I put it down because I said, oh. I don't want to know what happened. I don't want anything... I don't want to learn any additional information that might skew my review of this volume or like possibly maybe I slip up and say something that's coming. Right. So I didn't read it. Wow. But now I can. The restraint. Now that this episode's done, now I can go and read it. Okay. I'll probably only read volume volume 11. I won't read both. I'll read 11. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I have to go do that now. So. Great. Awesome. Cool. Well. Everybody listening, 
if you'd like to support us here at Talking Back, there's a few ways you can do that. There's some, they're all very, very easy. You could, this is the easiest. Just tell your friend about one of our episodes. You, you can share, you can share an episode on your app. Just share it with someone. Share, share, share an episode right now with somebody, somebody random. Hey, look in your contacts, someone you haven't talked to in three years. Just shoot them one of our episodes and just see what happens. One of your favorites. You can also yeah. rate us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. You can leave a one-time donation of any amount at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back. Or you can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash talking back podcast, where you will unlock exclusive episodes only available to our patrons. They are great episodes. We have a lot of fun over there. We take the gloves off over there, Dean. Oh, yeah. No gloves. I, we take the gloves off, but we leave the hats on. Those are our funnest to record. We have a blast. And uh, yeah, if you sign up at the $5 level, you unlock every episode we've ever done over there. So you can't really beat that deal. If you want more from Talking Back, check that out. And now that this episode's over, don't worry. Head on over to bfopnetwork.com and check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like or Dean will cut his hand off. I'll do it. <laughs> Don't please. That's how confident please, I am. I will do it. Please find something you like over there. Please, please. Do. please I don't for, want to do for it. For Dean's please sake, do. please. Please find, find something please, you like. Please find something. All right, Dean. Thank you for joining. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.